0: Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Micah Shepline, you will be inspired through the word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. What I want to talk about today, and I'm calling it refining the pest. Now, some of you guys maybe don't have uh, pests that constantly plague your home. Um, right now, I'm in the season of gnats at mine. Um, and I believe me, I clean a, I have a clean home. Some of you guys are like, well, that means you're leaving fruit out. That's probably what my mom said. Uh, but no, I, I keep a clean house, but I'm not going to lie. There are some pests that kind of just buzz around in my house that I'm just like, how did you get in here? I mean, I'm in my bathroom yesterday, and I'm like, how in the world are there fruit flies in my bathroom? I'm like, I don't eat fruit in here, you know? But it's like, I, my, I had to like plug all my drains because they were like coming out of there. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, get these locusts out of here. That's a biblical Genesis pharaoh. Anyway, uh, but long story short, pests, what I want to talk about is, I, I think a lot of us think of the term pest as like the, the pests in our lives, but I actually combined two words and created it into the ultimate Christian term of what we don't want. And it's called pain and test, pest. I'm going to tell you this. None of us go, all right, God, I want you in my life. And then raise their other arm and go, bring on the pain and tests, Father. Like none of us are like, man, just cannot wait to just be living in pain and testing. But isn't it funny how life just always has this way of being like, hey, you thought you were out of a test? Here's another one. Hey, you thought that you were out of that painful experience? Here's another one. Hey, you thought you got to, hey, here's 2020. <laughs> Everybody's laughing because they're like, dang, hey, it's so true. <laughs> but thinking about it truly, like I said, I've been kind of um, jostling with just this this idea. I think a lot of the times that we have within faith or within circumstance where What happens is is we say yes to God and we sign up for following Him and pursuing Him, but then over a long period of time, it's like these, these painful tests start stacking up to where we doubt the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and then ultimately, we slowly drift away. And I think this is what's interesting, even in the passages of Scripture that I've been exploring and kind of trying to seek to understand, is that I think a lot of the times these, these issues that we're having in 2020 um, America are issues that, believe it or not, they actually had some of these in the Bible times. Newsflash, thousands of years ago. God may or may not have been dealing with similar issues that we've been dealing with right now thousands of years ago. And guess what? He gives us a couple blueprints, believe it or not. Anyway, but what I want to talk about specifically is when, I, when we talk about painful tests... I was specifically thinking about how often the Bible uses the term refine, refinement, or talks about the process of getting gold and silver from the elements. And what I mean by that is, you know, all the time I'm like reading the Bible and it's like, oh, he wants to purify you with fire. And I'm like, oh, that's a good verse. And then when you think about it, you're like, wait a second. It's like, okay, yeah, God, I want to be purified with fire, but good fire, not bad fire that hurts, that's painful, that does anything like that. Okay, you know, like I want to purify, you know how, I want to purify you like gold. You know what temperature gold is purified at, turns into a liquid? 1,948 degrees. Thanks for asking. You know what, it also says in Psalms, we're going to read a couple of them, like he's going to purify us like silver. Silver, one thousand seven hundred. A little bit over 700 degrees. How many of you guys know that just sounds like a really pleasant experience? Like, man, God, I just want to be purified in 1900 degree and just come out like gold, right? And what you see actually is there's this imagery all throughout scripture of which God is essentially pointing our character to a place of refinement, to a place of being boiled down and purified. To a place of us truly understanding how valuable he is and our lives are. And almost this this sifting away of everything else through trial and circumstance to where we only can rely on him. A few weeks ago, I was uh, making Grace some tea. And I don't know how, but I was zoning out and I was just looking at the wall. All these guys, all guys have that moment. (laughs) You're like doing something and all of a sudden you're just like three minutes past and you're still looking at the wall. Anyway... Maybe that's just me. I don't care. I know Jack does that. Oh. So people are like, who's that? It's my friend over there. Anyway. But you see, I'm like looking at the wall and pouring this water, and then all of a sudden just pour water all over my hand, boiling water, 212 degrees. Now, immediately, my hand is warm, <laughs> right? Immediately, I like, I'm holding a, a glass cup, and I'm pouring boiling hot water on my hand. So I have to walk over to the counter, put it down, and immediately turn around. And let's just say my fist moved in the direction of a cabinet, but it didn't break, thank the Lord. But I was like, genuinely was like, how am I going to golf? No, I was (laughs) genuinely... I'm joking. (laughs) But I was genuinely like, dude, I just burned the crap out of my hand. And I remember I just sit there, turn on the cold water, and I just got my hand under the water, just like, this is not pleasant. And I remember, actually, just this last week, it stopped peeling. It literally bubbled up. My entire finger was a massive blister. It bubbled up, and actually, over time, I just peeled, the whole thing just peeled off. It was just, it was kind of disgusting. But what was funny is it's like 212 degrees burned the crap out of my finger. 1,900 degrees! But we're talking about, that's what gold is at. 1,700, that's what we're talking about silver at. So... When we're talking about the the nature of our lives being refined and our spirits and our souls being refined under heat and pressure and testing, there's going to be a level of discomfort. You know, there's a passage of Scripture. I've been working my way through Job. If you know anything about the, the passage of Job, you know that Job loses everything. And all his friends surround him and are trying to get him to renounce his faith. And it says this, this the imagery stuck out to me huge on this. It says that he's sitting on the ground as his friends are talking to him. And the only relief he had was to break clay pots to scrape the boils on his body. He's lost his family. He's lost his wealth. He's lost his herds. He's lost everything. His body now is is boiling. He's having boils show up everywhere, and he's breaking clay pots to scratch him while he listens to his friends talk to him about renouncing God. I would say that's a refining moment. But really what I want to talk about is, is, um, and I did a little bit of research for you guys. So if you're wondering, the refinement process of the 2020 realm is a lot different than the refinement process of the Jesus realm and the Bible realm. And really what it comes down to is this term cupellation, which a lot of us, we still use today. But they use small-scale cupellation, which is essentially um, before metals are, are heated up to a place of melting, they crush them, they press them, they roast them, and then they completely melt them, and then they scrape off all the impurities off of those. So it's crushed, pressed, melted. So when God's like, hey, I want to refine your spirit in your life, and we're like, okay, God, I'm up for it. It's like, okay, wait, refine, compilation, wait, crush, press, heat up. Hold on, Lord. <laughs> Whoa, let's back that train up. Did you just say, refine my life, purify it like gold and silver? Okay, I, you know, I like the gold and silver aspect, but I don't necessarily like the heat, pressure, pressing, crushing any of those words used as an adjective to describe my personal life, I'm okay with leaving out. And what's funny, though, is that, and many of you guys, maybe you're wondering about how often this kind of came up in Scripture. It wasn't like a one-time thing, or three or four times. What I found is the term refine or use it, or refinery was used 19 times, and then when you actually want to break down how many times it talks about heating up a metal or purifying something, you can bring that up to about three dozen. So, not just a couple times is it like, hey, I'm going to refine your character. Hey, I'm going to purify your heart. Hey, I'm going to do these, and, and pointing to the refining process. It is over, and over, and over, and over, and over, and over again, is God speaking to this nature of refinement, which is crushed, pressed, broken, heated up to a place of melting, and scraping away anything that doesn't purify it. But And I think a lot of us were like, okay, well, this all doesn't really sound that awesome, but think about what comes out of it, the gold. You know, I was watching a movie this week, and they were holding up gold bricks, and it's just so interesting to see something like that because it's not something you see every day, a pure gold brick, right? And I thought about the context of today's message and just our lives in general, right? To be able to say, you know, you're purified to the place of this, of this gold is so rare and hard to find. And I believe it's so rare and hard to find, not just in our day, but in Jesus' day, because it's been such a, uh, a process of trying to understand what his, what his plan is, what it looks like, who we are, you know, where we fit in it. Because, man, when we talk about heating, pressing, breaking, reshaping, all of those things, man, it is, it's tough for us to, as believers to just say, God, I sign up for it. But essentially, all we see throughout the Old and New Testament is people who signed up for it repeatedly, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know, you want to think about Jesus' disciples. Of the 12, only one died a natural death. And don't worry, they tried to martyr him, boiled him in oil, but couldn't kill him. So they just exiled him off to an island until he died. Everybody else, they're dead. You want to talk about Paul, you want to talk about Job, you want to talk about David, you want to talk about all of these people, all these heroes of our faith, you better believe they were in the midst of a refining process that if you would have told them in the beginning, this is what you're going to have to go through, I doubt they would have signed up for it. But faith has a way of growing over time and pushing you through these refining processes until your life is becoming more and more pure, attracting more and more value to the point of people looking and saying, man, there is something different. There is something real. There is something valuable. That's the point. See, our lives aren't just for us. And if we think that way, then we've missed the context of even what Scripture says. So what I want to do is I want to get into the heat of it. No pun intended. Oh, yes, got four laughs. Anyway, I want to get into the heat of it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read a couple of passages that really stuck out to me as it pertains to this so that you guys kind of get into the vein of like, oh, Micah didn't just pull this out of the air. Says this, Psalm 66:10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. Job 23:10. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. First Peter 1 Peter 1:6 and 7. In all of this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have, uh, may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Malachi 3:3, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Proverbs 17:3, The crucibles for silver and the furnaces for gold, and the Lord tests hearts isaiah 125 i will turn my hand against you and i will smelt away your dross as with lie, and remove all your alloy first peter four twelve. beloved do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange is happening that one's like really encouraging it's like hey beloved right It starts out like that you're like yeah oh thank you lord like you know when you call somebody beloved it's not a negative term Hey, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test you. Like, how many of you guys know if you left your house and your husband or wife stopped you, it's like, hey, beloved, don't worry about the fiery trial about to happen to you today. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that fiery thing that's going to burn you up. You're going to make it through, beloved. Right? It's like, that. I don't really like any of that, right? Daniel 12.10, many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand but those who are wise shall understand. Hebrews 12:29 for our God is a consuming fire. Psalms 12:6 The words of the Lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground purified 7 times. Zechariah thirteen eight and 9 in the whole land declares the Lord two-thirds shall be cut off and perish and one-third shall be left alive and I will put this this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested they will call upon my name and I will answer them I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God how many guys know are we noticing a theme I would say we're noticing a theme, that there is a level of language that is used all throughout scripture in which people are being challenged, being a little bit like, hey, beloved, don't worry about that trial of fire that you're about to step into. Don't worry about that refinement process that's you know, going to boil you to the point of literally melting. Don't worry about that because we're not talking about a physical realm right now. We're not talking about that. Let's get away. We're talking about our souls and our spirits. The Lord heating up our exterior in order to melt away all the things that don't matter on the inside. See, it's a matter of importance. It's a matter of priority. It's a matter of what you're supposed to be doing and what you're supposed to be doing it for. That's, That's essentially what this refinement process is for. And so what I wanted to do today is I wanted to talk about the refinement process that most Christians run from but should be leaning into. And I want to start, though, because here's the deal. We don't have waves on Lake Michigan. I'm going to say that. Amen. <laughs> my dad loves waves. Now, here's the deal. I have a surfboard. Once in a while, I will wait for a massive storm, and I will go out and risk my life to try and catch one wave for three seconds. But we don't have waves here. Now, you want to know a place that has waves is Hawaii. Now, I've been blessed over the years. I, I taught at a summer camp out there for a bunch of years in a row. And so we would always go to the beach, and we'd always tell all the students, like, hey, you really can't go above your waist because the waves would be, like, f- as high as the ceiling at waist level. I'm dead serious. It's insane. So I remember going there, and I lived in California for a while. I lived here and been in some waves. And so, but when you go to those waves, and, you know, it's knee high and, you know, 10 feet up. You're just like, how is this possible? Like, what? These waves are massive. And I remember a few times, I remember one, I caught a bodyboarding wave. I was trying to bodyboard. It ran into a dude on a boogie board. It was like a 12 year old kid. And he got out and was like ready to throw down. I'm like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to not die. That's a huge wave. And so here's the funny thing around here though. What well, you got to realize is when, that, when, when a big wave's coming in, you don't just stand there like, come on, wave. Because that's how you get just blasted, thrown off your feet. You kind of brace yourself. Because if you brace yourself, when the wave hits, it's not gonna, it might knock you back a little, but it's not going to knock you off your feet. But there, here's the deal. When there's a big wave, you don't brace yourself. You can't turn and run, because running in water, newsflash, can't run that fast. you got to run at that wave. Dive straight at it and try to get underneath it. And here's the deal. If you don't get deep enough, fast enough, you get swept up in the swell under, you get thrown over. Found that out the hard way. Right? If you think you can brace it, doesn't work like that. The water's a lot more powerful, the wave is a lot bigger, and you will pay the price, right? But here's the thing. I think this is how it is in life, right? We assess the waves in front of us that are coming against us. And I think a lot of the times we have just this test of metal where we're like, okay, I can stand my ground and I'm going to be fine. But guess what? There will be waves that come at some point in your life that 100% you are going to either need to choose to run into and dive underneath, trusting that God can get you to the other side or it's just going to barrel you. And I think a lot of the times what happens in faith is we look and we pray against the wave. God, take care of the wave. God, get the wave out of here. God, make sure. And God's like, no, this is time to activate the faith. This is time to walk and actually run towards your fear. This is time to trust that I'm going to get you to the other side. This is that time. This isn't the, oh, I'm going to handle everything for you forever time. Here's the deal, I 100% believe that all things are possible for those who believe, but I very much also believe that God calls us to a lifestyle of activated faith. I see a lot of Christians who we pray for the Lord to take action, and we can't remember the last time we ever did. It's like, God, I want you to do it. And God's like, actually, I want to see if you'll walk out in what I called you to do and see if you'll do it and then trust that I'll take care of whatever you can't handle. You know that weakness, your weakness, that's actually my strength? That passage of scripture? Man, that's an easy one to recite. Like, God, I'm weak right now. Be strong for me. But it's a whole nother thing when everything feels like it's compounding and falling in on you. See, in some instances, yes, you need to brace yourself. In other ones, you need to run forward and dive and trust God can get you to the other side. So what I want to do is I want to give us... Five quick ones, refineries that Christians run from instead of leaning into or dive underneath. The first one, and this is kind of my, for the people who are maybe newly saved or kind of trying to figure out what it means to walk with the Lord, uh, this is the cleaning out the closet refinery. The cleaning out the closet refinery. What I mean by that, right, is that it's like, God, I want to follow you, I want to do your thing, I want to be there, but I don't want to change anything about my old life. It's like, God, I believe in the gospel. I believe you've transformed my heart, but I don't believe necessarily I should transform my environments, transform my thought habits, transform my view of my past or my view of my future, transform maybe some people I shouldn't be hanging out with, transform any of my choices or decision-making. You just transform it for me. See the cleaning out of the closet process is when God is when God's refining our character trying to get us to walk away from the old way of living. You know how many times the Bible talks about being a new creation, new life, being a new person? I wish I could figure out what that number is right now and throw it at you, but I don't know because it's a lot. Here's the deal. God specifically when we get saved challenges us to leave behind The natures of this world to leave behind the fleshly desires, to leave behind everything else we think we're created for and step into reality where our spirit and our soul is our priority. I'm going to say this actually too because I think it's important. Your spirit and your soul is not just your priority, it's your responsibility. Because some of us were like, okay, I'm going to try and prioritize and then the soul stuff and the spirit stuff and the stuff that fills you up, it gets so far on the back burner that we don't realize it's actually more important. It's a response. We are responsible for the health, the wellness, the sustainable development of our souls. We don't talk about that at all. We think that we could just do osmosis. We come in the church, it touches us, we leave, we're changed. See, when you clean out the closet it is a recognition of this old life does not fit in this new life. And some of us, we've been frustrated and we're going through things and we're wondering what the heck is going on and God's looking and saying, you never left your old life and I'm trying to melt it off you, but you don't want it melted off. Can I get an amen, church? The refineries that most Christians run from instead of lean into, the first one, the cleaning out of the closet refinery. The second one, The, do I really have to follow the Bible refinery? (laughs) This one's funny to me because it's like, what happens, here's the deal. I'm going to give you a flip side. What happens if we don't press into a lot of this refinement process is we just, here's the deal, and I'm not going to say it in a negative or condescending way. We just walk away from the Lord over time. And for some of us, right, that maybe arouses like, wow, that's pretty pointed. Or some of us, they're like, wow, that's really nice, right? But what you have to realize is when you walk away from the Lord over time, really, you're walking away from who you're called to be. You're walking away from the design and the purpose that he has in his heart for you. And so over time, when we say, okay, God, you know what? I don't really got to know your word. I don't really got to follow your word. And in fact, I'm kind of going to marry culture with your word and then ultimately apply whatever I see fit to your word. I'm going to apply this, this news station to your word or I'm going to apply this favorite preacher thing to your word and not really actually do my own, this is what it's supposed to be word. See, I, I, I find it interesting today. I would say that the number one attack that the enemy has on developing Christians and leaders is, is a biblical illiteracy. It's this idea that we can be fed everything we need to to survive instead of us feeding ourselves. How many of you guys, if your child came up to you and was 15 and said, Hey, are you going to feed me today? You know, it's one thing to ask what's for dinner. It's another thing to say, will you pick up the spoon? I feel like so often what happens is over time, it's okay to be fed in the beginning. But man, you want to know, I talked about it a few months ago. You want to talk about what it means to go from the milk to the solid food? Responsibility. That's what it comes down to. Are we willing to feed ourselves the biblical truths for the nourishment of our souls to which we live a life that matters? That's what it comes down to. If we're not willing to spend the time to get to know God, do we really know Him? I mean, it's just interesting to me how many of us don't actually know the nature of God and so we can project this baseless view of Him because we've never understood His character and nature through our own revelation of Scripture. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to repeat what Micah said on Sunday when the wave is crashing on you. But what you can do is you can look at the wave that's crashing on you, recognize, okay, this is what his word says. This is what I feel his spirit impressing me to do through this word. This is what I should be doing, and I know I should do. I'm going to do it. See, it's great for me to give you guys a great menu of what it would look like, but it's a whole other thing when we've got a spoon feed. We've got to be people who pursue the Bible and the word. We've got to be people who understand the relevance and the pertinence of what it means to truly be in line with it. The refineries that most Christians run from instead of lean into, the first one, the cleaning out of the closet refinery. The second one, the do we really actually need to do what the Bible says refinery. The third one, the actual trials refinery. Now notice I put this one third because for a lot of us, maybe you're looking and saying, well, God's been giving me trial after trial after trial. But then you're like, oh dang, I never cleaned out the closet oh, dang, I've never really understood the Bible. Okay, well, that might be aiding. And... Because here's the deal. When you've cleaned out the, the closet and when you've been in your word, there's a level of depth and certainty of God that truly shows in your life. So what the enemy does is he looks and says, oh, they're taking ground. Now i got to throw some stuff at them. There's a great story. Um, there's a great story in Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah, it says he goes to his, he sees that his country's in disarray, that that the outer fortress walls of Jerusalem are all torn down. And so he goes to a king, the king says, go rebuild them. And then as they're rebuilding them, all the work's going great. All of it's going great. Everybody's buying in. But you better believe, when everybody saw those walls going up, they looked and they said, whoa, 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 they're rebuilding. They're becoming strong. We can't let them do that. We gotta go fight them. We gotta go take them down. And it said that literally half their workforce by the end of this construction period had to stand watch with weapons. The other workforce had to work with weapons on and they worked around the clock. It wasn't like this nine to five, oh, let's rebuild. the. It was literally, we're rebuilding this and we might get killed doing it. Notice the process starts off. Everybody's in, everybody's down, everybody's doing it. By the end, half the people are making sure you're not going to get killed. The other half are working, trying to make sure that they don't get killed as well. The process of spiritual progression is easy in the beginning, but boy, over the years, that temperature gets turned up. That temptation gets turned up. That weakness that you never dealt with, that gets turned up. That thought process that you never got out of your bad habit of, that gets turned up. That, that stuff that you've never really dealt with, it lingers and it not only lingers, the heat starts getting turned up on that. Why? Because if you want to be gold, you got to scrape away the stuff that ain't gold. Come on. And some of us, right, we're looking at God saying, God, why am I having trials? Why am I going through things? What if it's not God? It's just the devil saying, I don't want you to have God. I mean, I know so many people who we doubt the goodness of God. I remember, I'll never forget this. A student came to me probably five or six years ago and said, the great Christian question, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And I looked at him and I, I had no plan on this because I never really answered it before. And I looked at him and I said, you know that the worst thing happened to the most perfect person and we're called to live that example. Man, some of us, all we've thought is this is cupcake Christianity and God's diet on a cross. Come on, church. We can be stronger. We can sign up for the refinement. It's okay. We're going to go through things. The gold is worth the process. The fourth one, and this one is what I would say takes out most Christians. Because the trial, it's easy to get people around you that are they're going to help you, they're going to pray for you, they're going to love you, they're with you, they're in it. But here's the thing. What the enemy then tries to do, if if you got it biblically, right? If you've cleaned out the closet, if you're able to get through some of these trials, what then he tries to do is drive you a wedge in between you and your community, you and people in general, get you to doubt who God is. This is what I call the offense refinery. And what I mean by that is, man and I know my dad can attest to this, is that over the years, the offense refinery, it drives more people away from the Lord than anything I can remember. It's like, you would think trials do it. No, it's, oh, they said this. Oh, they looked at me this way. Oh, this thought process was different than my thought process and because of it. See, the offense refinery, what it does is it takes, you know what the, you know what the devil's name means is the accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. That sounds a whole lot like saying things about people. Don't you think that that works in his favor a lot? Not just the accuser of the brethren, but the accuser of just our world. Man, it is just so easy. Our First Amendment right is to be offended. I mean, you know what's interesting is that uh, Jesus, I was reading this last night, and I felt like it was so important to mention, is that in, um, it's a passage of Scripture in Matthew 11. It says that John the Baptist is in prison. And he sends one of his disciples to Jesus and he asks that disciple, John says, ask Jesus if he's the one that we're waiting for or if we should be looking for someone else. Pause. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Think about this. The heavens open. There is a voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the same dude that happened to him a few years later, is looking and saying, hey, are you the one? If I was Jesus, I'd be like, oh, no, he didn't. This dude, literally, you seen the sky open. You heard God talk to you. How are you going to sit here and ask if I'm the one? You heard his day voice. You know what the first thing he says? His first response to that disciple was, oh, good thing you're wondering. I'm going to read it. Blessed is the one not offended by me or my teaching. Blessed is the one who ain't going to get offended. Blessed is the one who's not going to doubt me through circumstance. Blessed is the one who's not going to get all out of sorts when when everything's out of sorts and project that out of sortment onto me. Blessed is the one who will stay steadfast. Blessed is the one who can continue to love their neighbor no matter how many times their neighbor ticks them off. Blessed is the one who's not offended. Can we be a people who actually believe that forgiveness and love is a true thing? It's not just this phantom reality that floats out there in the mystic cosmos. But it's, I can forgive. I can let go. I can love. And the last one is this. And it's one I want to talk about briefly. Um. Because for each person, it it can mean something different. But I would say it's the trial of your life test. Now, I would say that in your life, you're going to go through two or three of those where it is just the trial of your life and everything within you, your bones are crying out to tap out and to walk away from Jesus. To walk away from this whole faith, spiritual thing. Walk away from it because it don't make sense. It's not providing for you right now. It's not taking care of the problem right in front of you. It's not doing what you thought it was going to do. It's not the very thing that you thought it was going to be. And so ultimately, you need to get out of there. See, that refinement process, I would say, yields the greatest reward if we can look at the very flesh of us that is screaming, do not do this. And override it and step into our spirit that says, trust God in it and walk forward. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Though I walk. See, we're not called to sit in the valleys. We're called to trust God and walk with and through him we're through not, them. We're not created to live on mountaintops. We're not created to live in valleys. We're created to just walk with Jesus and trust that he's going to take us where he's going to take us. I wanted to point out this scripture before we go into worship one more time because maybe some of us missed this. Psalms twelve six: the words of the Lord are pure like silver refined in the furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You're never out of the fire. You're never out of the refining process. There's never a day off for it. You're constantly being refined. If the word of the Lord in this instance can be refined seven times, how many times is our life gonna be refined? But it's worth it. It's worth it, church. To submit to the process of refinement, to submit to the process of taking everything else out that gratifies the flesh and living in a way that builds up the soul. That's significance. That's what leaves a legacy. That's what a good tomorrow is built on. But it's your choice to believe it. In closing, the fine refineries that we run from instead of lean into, the cleaning out of the closet, the do we actually have to do what the Bible says, the actual trials refinery, the offense refi- refinery, and the trial of your life refinery. Let's today recognize that we're going to go through some things that are going to be hot. They're going to feel crushed, like they're crushing us. They're going to feel like they're pressing us. They're going to feel like they're melting us but that's how gold's formed. Let's stand to our feet.